0: Amen. That was Sylvia Rocco, ladies and gentlemen. And we thank God for that beautiful reminder today of God's presence, power, and blessing upon us. Amen? We should truly be a thankful people. Well, good morning. Thank you for being here. We trust that you will continue to be blessed, challenged, informed, and enlightened as we focus now for a few moments on the Word of God. And I invite you to get your Bible wherever you may be, in your hospital, on the boat, not in the car. We want you to be uh, keep your hands on the wheel. Maybe somebody else could read the Scriptures for you. But I invite you to get your Bible and have it in hand to examine the text yourself as we go through a very significant passage of Scripture. And that passage is James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. I'm sure that most of you have heard the name Tony Campolo, He is a renowned contemporary Christian communicator, and a tremendous one. He tells about an incident concerning the senior pastor of the church, of which he is associate pastor in Philadelphia. The church every year observes student recognition day in which the focus is on students. In one of these services, after a few students had spoken, the senior pastor began his sermon in a shocking manner. This is what he said. Quote, young people, you may think you are going, you are not going to die. But one of these days, they'll take you to the cemetery, drop you in a hole, throw some dirt on your face, and go back to the church and eat potato salad. That's quite a way to begin a sermon, isn't it? Especially to young people. Some the adults were offended by that, but this was a striking way to get the attention of young people to consider where they will spend eternity. Our own daily newspapers and our radio stations over the past two weeks have reported at least 10 to 12 people who have died suddenly. There was one report this morning of a young man in a car accident. and they died either of heart attack, a car accident, murder. But unexpectedly, these folk died. Some were young, some were old, some were men, some were women. But they all died, and they died suddenly and unexpectedly. Some did so while enjoying a good time, they thought, with friends and family. Some died while involved in the daily routine of life, business as usual. But there came that moment when eternity rushed into their temporary reality with an unexpected finality, death. Now because several of these deaths have impacted the lives of members of our own body here, members of the incredible body of Christ at Calvary Bible Church, including my own, I have been impressed and I believe by the Holy Spirit to look into the Scriptures to see what the Scriptures have to say about our view of life and of death, and to see how it impacts the way we live and the way we die. And you can be sure of this one thing. It is the word of God and the word of God alone that can give us the final and authoritative word on these matters, the matters of life and the matters of death. Psychology may offer suggestions of how we live, but it is only the Bible that provides final answers as to the true meaning of life and the significance of death. You can get that information nowhere with... Final authority other than the Word of God. So I trust that your ears and your heart and your mind are open this morning as you hear what God has to say to you from the Scriptures. So take your Bibles. Let's look at this passage very briefly as an introduction this morning. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. Hear the Word of God. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, this is what you ought to say. If the Lord wills, We will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. And all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. That is the word of God. Notice carefully now in the text. James is reprimanding someone. This is not a word of encouragement. This is not a word of congratulations. This is a word of reprimand. The text seems to indicate that he's reprimanding specifically business people or merchants. But he does it in such a way that the truth he presents applies to everyone of all times. Notice what he says In verse 13, this is how the passage opens. Come now, you who say. In other words, listen up. Listen up, fellas. Listen up, young people. Listen up, ladies. I'm talking to those of you who say this. And then he describes certain things that are said and certain things that are done. So who is the they? And what do they say, and what do they do in this passage? Now, look carefully at the text, because we want the word of God to speak to you today. According to the text, they are those who say and do five specific things without reference to God's will. James calls it boastful arrogance. So these are people who are described by James, the brother of Jesus Christ, as those who are boastfully arrogant in the way they live. Notice the five things very briefly. First, they choose their own time to go or do something. The text says, today or tomorrow. That's the time that they choose. They choose the time. Secondly, They choose the place they will go to where they say they will go. I will go to such and such a city. They choose the place. Not only the time, but the place they will go. Then verse 3, or rather number 3. They choose the length of time they will stay where they have chosen to go. Spend a year there. So they have chosen the time to do something, the place in which it will be done, and how long they will take. And then fourthly, they choose what they will do in the place they have chosen to go for the length of time they have chosen to stay. It says, we will go to engage in business. And then fifth, they said, or rather they choose why they will go and do what they will do for the length of time they have decided to stay in the place they have decided to go. Notice the text says very clearly, to make a profit. Five specific things that these arrogant, boastful people decided to do on their own. Now you might ask, what's wrong with that? In fact, that sounds like good planning to me. Choosing the time I'll go, the place I'll go, how long I'm going, and why I'm going, and what I'm going to accomplish. That sounds like good planning to me. But verse 15 gives us the answer to why this is not so in this passage. Succinctly it says that these people are putting themselves in the place of God. They are living life as though God does not exist. They don't have the right perspective of life. They don't have the right perspective of death. They did not know that life is a vapor. They did not know that life was brief. They did not know that death is an ever-next-moment possibility. Or if they did, they did not live as though they knew. That's the point. Now, what about you? Read about all of these accidents. It could have been you. could have been me. If it's one thing we do not plan, is the accident that brings us our death. What do you know about life? What do you know about death? Do you know and live the attitude that you cannot determine the outcome of your life or the length of your life? Verse 13 says, don't you know what your life, or rather, you don't know what your life will be tomorrow. There's no doubt about this. You do not know. No matter how many plans you've made, you do not know. But your life will be like tomorrow. And verse 14 says, Life appears and disappears like a vapor. Do you live with those truths in mind? James then tells us how to live so that we could die in the will of God. Notice what he says in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say. In other words, what we've just talked about, that's not what you should say. This is what you say. If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this and that. Notice now. A right perspective on life impacts both what we say and what we do. A right perspective on life and a right perspective on death impacts both what we say and what we do. Now, let's be clear. These words here are not intended to minimize the need for planning and preparation for each day of our lives. No, scripture teaches us about that. But this passage here stresses the overriding importance of living each day in complete dependence of the Lord and being careful to make plans with him in mind. What then should we say? And should, what should we do to be in the will of God while we live and when we die? Those are important questions today, don't you think? And we're going to answer these questions from this text. But we'll do so in just a few moments. But right now we want you to be blessed through the ministry of the Calvary Quartet. And then we'll come to answer these important questions that deal with life and with death. We are looking at James chapter 4, verses 13 13. Through 17. We've already looked at verses 13 and 14. James, the half-brother of Jesus, is saying in this passage that we should not say that we are going anywhere to do anything for any purpose without reference to God. If we do so, we are boastfully arrogant in our attitude and approach to life and he gives us instructions here as to how we can live in such a way that we die in the will of God I think that's important truth for us to know don't you now in verse 15 he tells us exactly what we should say and do to be in the will of God both in life and in death first he says look at the passage now verse 15 first he says we should say If the Lord wills, we will live. You notice that? If the Lord lives, we will live. This is an attitude of humility and dependence upon God, not self. This is living a life in conscious knowledge and recognition and submission to the fact that God is in control of our life. The Lord is in charge of the length of your life not you god is ultimately in control of both life and death not you not me we may not know how long our vapor-like life will linger in the air but god knows Why? because he decides how long we live he says if the lord wills we will live if the lord wills we will live james is saying If this is a true view of life and God, then it should shape our mindset and also shape our way of life, the way we live. If we have this mindset that God is sovereign over our life, not only what we do, but how long we do it, not only that we live, but how long we live. Your mindset matters, in other words. That's the focus of this text, an emphasis of the text. Your mindset, your approach to life matters. How you talk about your plans matters. How you speak about doing business matters. It's a mirror of your relationship to God. That's what James is saying. Keep in mind now that the only anchor that we have on this earth is a floating anchor. The only anchor that we have on this earth, as far as earthly things are concerned, is a floating anchor. We cannot be anchored to anything forever on this earth. Your presence here, my presence here, are as fragile as the vapor and mist that we see in life. Your time, my time, is short, no no matter how long or how short it is. Is like a vapor in the sight of God. Keep in mind this fact James is telling us. You will disappear from this scene. And life will go on without you or without me. Now that might be difficult for you to believe. Sometimes some people say that's difficult for me to believe. That if I die today, Calvary Bible Church is going to go on, perhaps even as though I was never here in the first place. You go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, it says the same thing to young people. Remember now, thy creator in the days of your youth. He says there's coming a time when you will die, when this old house, your house, will begin to fall apart and eventually disintegrate. And He says when it happens everybody's going along the street just as usual. Point is you're not living for here. You're living for there somewhere else either in the presence of God or away from Him. That's what he's trying to get through to us here. And so God through James says keep this view of life in mind. In other words It matters that you have a right view of God as you make your plans. As a business person, as a young person, as a student, as a housewife, whoever it may be. It makes a difference whether you are planning with God in mind. And you must give expression of this fact when you plan with God in mind when you speak. What you say about life. Notice what the text says. You ought to say... If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. In other words, the Lord also determines the results of what we do. Notice the text again. James says, if God wills, we will do this or that. My friends, not only are our our lives in his hands, but our success or failures are in his hands instead. And James says instead we ought to say. If the Lord wills we will live. And also do this or that. And if the Lord does not will. We will not do this or that. Then that's what will be the result. No matter how we plan. They have a saying in the United States. That you never see. A whole? being pulled by a hearse to the gravesite. In other words, you can't take it with you. Now, here in the Bahamas, perhaps we localize it and say, you'll never see Pindus Customs Brokers following a hearse to the gravesite. You can't take it with you. We're studying now a, uh, a stewardship program here. And we're looking at a program that's called the treasure principle, and the treasure principle is this. You cannot take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. But you see, if you wait until you die to try to send it on ahead, it's too late. No matter how your plans are, if you look at this passage, this person planned well, this business person. Where he's going, when he's going, how long he's going, what he's going to do there, and why he's going to do it, what he's going to do there. To make a profit. But James says that's boastful, arrogant. Jesus says the same thing. Remember the story about the rich man? His plans were so perfect, he made a lot of money. In fact, he made so much money, he couldn't even find the banks to put it in. So he kept going place to place trying to get more and more uh, profit from that money. More and more. And he was focusing on himself, he was focusing on earth. He was successful in his business. He had all the money he could possibly make. Trying to find places to store it. And when he got to that point of being successful to make a profit, he looked back, he laid back in his chair and he said, Man, that's great. I've done a good job. Now I'm gonna eat and I'm gonna drink and I'm gonna make merry. You know what God says? You fool, tonight. Your soul is required of you. And who's going to get all these things? Certainly not you. That's what James is talking about here. You must be sure that God is involved in your planning. And take in mind, he says here, that you cannot take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And you will only do that if you make your plans in keeping with the will of God in your life. If the Lord does not will, we will not do this or that. Whatever we do this or that on our business trip, James is saying, is in the hands of God. We are not the masters of our destiny. God is. That's the point of this passage. God is. Let us recognize it and humbly submit to it. Now notice the last passage here. The last verse in the passage. It says that those who know this and don't do it sins against God. Look at the verse. You know that you should be submissive to the will of God for your life. And not just go making plans on your own. But you don't do it. James says it's sin. He says if you know to do good and do not do it is sin. Know what? According to this passage, know that God is in control of your life and he can blow it away at any time. Just like a fool, your life is gone. Do what? You live and plan as though you are in charge of your life. If you know that God is in charge, you should not live as though you are. And you should not plan your life as though you are. And God is not involved. So what should we do then? Well, first... You need to recognize the sovereignty of God in your life and what you do with it. Do you recognize that? You say, oh, yes, I did it. How do you plan your business? Take a look at your checkbook. Take a look at your time. Take a look at your focus. Is God anywhere in there or is he way down the list? That tells what you're thinking about God in your life. And how you live, you're going to die. Either thinking about God or thinking about yourself. Secondly, we need to search God's Word for how you should live in keeping with His will. God's will is not hidden away anywhere. It's not secret. You don't have seven secrets to God's will. It's revealed in the Word of God very clearly. You need to look into the Word of God. Thirdly, you need to live with eternity in view. And you need to live with the consciousness that eternity for you could begin This next moment. That's what James is telling us. Proverbs 16.1 says, To man belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. Showing God's control over what we say. Proverbs 16.9 says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. We make the plans, but in the final analysis, it's God who determines where you're going to go and how you're going to get there. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Proverbs 20, 24 says, A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? Proverbs 27, 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. And James brings before us How arrogant we are to do otherwise. And then we boast in it. I'm such a successful businessman. I plan this. I have a plan for everything. Where is God in the plan? Where is God in the plan? No matter how successful you are, if God is left out of your planning and your thinking, you're going to die in the same way. And then Jesus is going to ask the same way he asked the rich man. Who's going to get all the stuff that you work so hard for? Certainly not you. Who's going to profit from it? Certainly not you. In James four thirteen, James talks about the sin of presumption. I am in control of my life. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. James is saying this is the sin of presumption. You should stay instead. If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. Then there's a sin of boasting here. I'm proud because I'm in control of my life. But James says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. All such boasting is evil. Then there's a sin of commission. Notice what he says. You are not to know... How to do something and don't do it, because if you do, it's sin. Not doing what you know to be right is a sin of omission. To one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. How is your life planned? Where is God in your life? How do you know when you leave here today that you won't be one of the next victims on the list of accidents listed in the newspaper? You say, Vasily, you're trying to frighten me. Yeah. Because sometimes we need to be awakening the fact that God wants you and me to put him the centre of our lives and to plan our life in that fashion. In John 6:40, it says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him who have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. In other words, do you want to know what the will of God is for you if you have never received Christ as your Savior? It's right here in John 6:40. You should believe on him and receive him as your Savior. That's the will of God. It says it clean, very clearly. That's the will of God. You don't have to search for that. Admit that you're a sinner, that Jesus Christ died for you, that God raised him from the dead to validate the fact that he had accepted Christ's death on your behalf. That's God's will for you. Romans 12 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It is the will of God that you live a life that is pleasing to him. And that life comes through a transformation of your mind, through the reading and study of the gods and the study of the word of God. Do you do that? That's the will of God for you. You don't have to figure that. And if you plan that into your life, if you plan to have Christ as your savior, if you plan to study his word, to read his word, so that you can please and honor him and you make your life revolve around those truths, when you die, you'll be ready to die. Timothy says, in chapter 4, verse 3 of his epistle For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. What is the will of God for your life? To live a moral life. If you're a husband, not to be unfaithful to your wife. If you're a wife, not to be unfaithful to your husband. If you are an unmarried person, a young person, not to be involved in immorality and fornication. Not to be involved in any of these things. You are to be free from immorality. That's the will of God. And if you don't live like that, you're going to die the way you lived. That's what James is talking about here. And then John gives us a very startling truth in his passage of Scripture. In 1 John two seventeen. This is what he says. The world is passing away and also is lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. If you want to live the way God wants you to live right now on this earth, then you... Place your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the will of God for you. Then you are to look into the Word of God to see how He wants you to live and plan your life on a day-by-day basis. Plan your business. Plan your career. Plan your schooling. Everything. Send it around to Him. Flee immorality. Live a holy lifestyle. Live your life in conformity to the will of God. And then this is what, James, this is what John says. You do that, you will not only be living in the will of God on earth, but you will be living in the will of God when you die. And as a result of that, you will live forever. So come now, you who say, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there, I'm going to spend this amount of time, I'm going to do this thing, and this is the reason why I'm going to do it. I am the master of my life. That's the wrong way to live. If you die like that, your eternity is not a happy one. James says, this is how you should live, if God wills. That simply means submit yourself to the will of God on a day by day. It isn't a big secret here at all. It isn't something that is so difficult to understand. It's very simple, very simple. Those who place their faith in Jesus Christ depend upon the Word of God to give us direction in life and to live a holy lifestyle. We do the will of God on this earth and we will be doing the will of God forever. But it begins here. And the way you talk about your business... Your schooling, your plans, your home life, the way you talk about it, reveals where you are in the will of God and how you will die either in the will of God or out of the will of God. Let's bow just in a moment of prayer. Father, thank you for your word that again, once more, focuses on the brevity of life and our need to be ready. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, you might use your word to speak to the hearts of all those who hear so that we might live in humble submission to the will of God in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.